0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome in. Well, another weekend. No sports. Are you watching the old games they're putting on? I saw the Butler-Duke game on CBS Sunday afternoon. Gordon Hayward and the half-court shot, and my father-in-law was watching an old Super Bowl. I can watch a little bit of that stuff, but it doesn't go very far with me. But, you know, at this point, it's kind of what we have. So the NFL has announced a whole slate of games going forward that are going to be running on ESPN and Fox and FS1 and NBC Sportsnet, replaying Super Bowls and playoff games and crazy games and all that stuff. So I think that's what we'll be making do with for a while. We'll find out if Mark Cuban is is spot on when he thinks that there's a chance for a mid-delay mate mid to late May start to the NBA season. You know, there's one thing that's been floated about putting them all in one town. You know, could they go to a place like Vegas, take over um, a couple of hotels? You know, if you're not going to have fans, you can play in the Orleans, right? Or do you, you play uh, in the MGM, uh, walk to one of the a couple other arenas, just hire a bus or two buses for every team? I don't think you're going to have a lot of support personnel, but maybe you need two buses so people can spread out and just bus guys around to high school gyms. I don't know what they're going to do. It's going to be interesting to see going forward. We'll talk with that about with uh, Steve Cleveland. He's coming up later this morning, and uh, obviously he's coached a bunch of teams that have gone to Vegas and kind of has the lay of the land there. And you know, is that. You know, there are a lot of things that are getting thrown out that sound okay, but it's a little bit like giving the, the kids who didn't get to go to the NCAA tournament in basketball, another year of eligibility. You know, when you say it on the surface, it sounds good, but when you dig down in deep into it, I, I just don't think that works. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens when the NBA digs down deep and and where that's going. Uh, and then also we got Kirk Street who's worried that the football season's at risk. And would that mean... Um, as Bronco Mendenhall brought up earlier, I think a lot of coaches are thinking about this. Broncos one I saw quoted, and obviously we got a tie to him because he coached at BYU for so long. Uh, but I think other coaches are talking about this as well. You know, is it going to be a partial season? Are they going to whatever they can get in? I mean, if they could only play two games, they would play them because at least they'd get that money from the TV networks. If they had to play them with no fans, they play them because at least they get that money from the TV networks. But what kind of partial season has been floated? Conference games only. Um, P.K. and I were talking about that uh, last night, and we'll get into it today. You know, that would be a problem for BYU, obviously. Um, there are things that could be done. There are other independents to play. Uh, I guess with a lot of teams cashing out of the contract, maybe they have to write some checks to BYU, so that would help, I guess. Um and once again, I think Notre Dame to the rescue. <laughs> I think that's what it always comes to. I don't know that it'll come to that. They may play a full season. Maybe it'll go horribly and they'll play no season at all. I, don't, I, don't, I can't possibly predict that. Uh, but if it did go to a conference-only season, I would think that the ACC has 14 teams. They're not going to squeeze Notre Dame out. So anytime Notre Dame plays an ACC school, it's a 15-team league. The, uh, someone else is going to need a game. And BYU to the rescue. <laughs> <laughs> so how would it work with home games and all that? I don't know. We'll have to cross that bridge when we get to it. But uh, the one thing, and we're going to play an interview I did with Mark Harlan for TV. We ran part one last night, and part two is on KMYU and Sports Tonight. But in part one, we talked a little bit, and he talked about having five different scenarios for football and that there are just so many things that could happen, and nobody has any idea. You know, you can say you know what's going to happen, and maybe that sounds good to be authoritative, but um, – Dr. Fauci, the guy we see out on TV all the time, showing up on all the news shows talking about this, is famous for saying, you don't make the timeline, the virus makes the timeline, so I don't see any reason. If he's going to say that, I don't see any reason that uh, sportscasters and coaches should worry about creating the timeline. Just have multiple options out there, and you know, when when Mark Harlan says, we are talking about five options, I assume he's talking at least about the Pac-12, and you know, maybe the whole country, but it's hard to have a 60, 70-whatever team conversation you know, with all the Power 5 schools, so they kind of have to deal with it at the conference level. Um, and we'll just have to see how it goes for BYU. Um, we'll talk with A-Rod, assistant coach down at BYU now for a long time, former Ute, um, and, of course, a BYU player a long time ago. We'll talk with him later this morning as well. Stay with us. we got more coming up. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
1: From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by BYU football coach Kalani Satake. Kalani, good morning. What's going on, gentlemen? How you doing? Well, you know, on the one hand, everything's going on. On the other hand, nothing's going on. But I don't need to explain that to you. You're living it just like the rest of us. I am curious as I talk to coaches these days, because this is a time of year when you've you you know, you've got uh, spring football going or if you're a school that goes early, maybe you're wrapping spring football up and you're telling guys, hey, you got to go out and work on your own. And there's probably a lot of uh, parents of high school kids listening now and those kids should be working out on their own. How do you do that now, do it well, and yet be safe given all the guidelines we're hearing?
2: I think the line of communication is the most important thing. It's just uh, staying in touch with our guys. Our position coaches, our staff, and, and everyone being involved with each other as far as using texting and, and phone calls and Zoom and all these great uh, technology things that we have going on that can help us uh, connect with each other. And so that's been the, the one thing is keeping a daily contact with our players and, and uh, just more than anything, just checking up on them. You know, I, I don't know if it's, it's really important for us to you know get a checklist of things that they've done the entire day, but I think it's important for us to just. Let them know that we're there for them, and at least we can be a constant part of their life as as far as keeping that communication open always.
3: Speaking of Zoom, are you grateful we're not on Zoom and we're on radio, so you don't have to see my nostrils? <laughs> that that was actually a fun part of it, man. I, it was really cool. I, I miss seeing
2: all the media faces that 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 cover um, BYU football, <laughs> and it was really nice to see everyone and in. in, in uh, kind of connect again, even though it's through Zoom, we had to take our turns, uh, you know, you working the mic and, and the mute button that some of us struggled with, but uh, your nostrils were re- really well-groomed and, and, and trimmed nicely, so uh, that wasn't even a problem for us, but you looked really comfortable on that, P.K. <laughs>
0: Yeah, like I said before, be...
2: you know you're a diva when you when you're 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 really uh, mindful of your own nostril hair length and and uh, the way it looks. So I'm I'm really <laughs> impressed with uh, the upkeep that that PK has on his uh, his own you know his own body, his, the manscaping that he does. <laughs>
0: The best part was that for, you know, obviously this is for the media only, so there are a lot of people who didn't see it, so our producer, Jake Hatch, decided to grab a screenshot of it and put it up on social media so that everybody could enjoy it slash be horrified at the same time.
2: <laughs> I, I, the, and I think everybody in the media knew what PK was trying to do, and, and you know, it, it's, it's really fun getting in, in, to know everybody in the media but I think PK has that that personality that's genuine and real and it didn't surprise anyone but it was it was something that, that I missed just having all the different personalities involved and, and talking talking ball and it was it was kind of a nice return to the to the norm for a little bit you know even though it was a 45-minute well, session it just whatever we can do to, to, to keep working with um, people that promote sports within the state especially that helps BYU and our and our program, I, I'm always down for. So it was it was nice to have that time together, and I'm excited to be on the radio with you guys this morning.
0: So, have you sent most of your so, pl- players back with their families?
2: Yeah, well, we we've uh, given the direction to try to do that. There's some that that uh, uh, feel more comfortable here, and we've been able to take care of them. And uh, I think there's a, there's a high number of players that we have that are local that that have kind of kind of gone between their – their apartment and their homes, and I think they're they're doing a great, great job practicing social distance. You, you know, just trying to find ways to keep their families safe, and uh, knowing that that uh, you know how this uh, how this this virus affects um, older people and affects the people that have respiratory problems. So I think our, our players are mindful of that, and I've been really impressed with their maturity and the way that they're handling themselves. And and uh, between now and the end of the semester I think we'll have more guys when their contracts runs out at their apartments and places that they stay that we're trying to make that transition and um, some may stay here feel more comfortable here though the way that our school has been able to take care of them and and all their needs whether it's in the training room or academics or um, you know even even with some food and then the things that they're able to to get done here so I think that we've given them the opportunity to do that and be comfortable and and uh, let them kind of govern themselves from where they feel more, most most uh most comfortable being taken care of
3: as you head into training camp and hopefully that's in august when we get to that point we'll find out but as you approach that and the start of that how will this no spring ball affect the quarterback competition
2: i don't know if it'll affect it will affected that much i mean i think that it delays uh, some of the things that we were you know we were getting Baylor back he's getting healthy again and um Jaron was starting to really come along zach was doing some great things um starting to have do some things he just seemed a lot more settled and 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 um, more comfortable in the scheme and and more connected with our players so it just seemed like you remember he had that injury last year so he had some time to. uh this is this is something that he and the year before he was a true freshman so it was nice for him to kind of be comfortable kind of going into spring with with a, kind of a, at his own pace. And, and, and uh, you know, we saw some huge improvements from all three of those guys in spring. But I, I I think that once we get to the fall, we'll feel we kind of have an idea of where we're headed and, and the guys that we have can help us win. And, and knowing uh, sometimes the way football works, if we feel comfortable with the depth that we have at that position and other positions as well.
0: So, uh, return missionaries coming back, some may be assigned somewhere else, but this is a lot of players all at once. Obviously, there's scholarship limitations. You can't take them all at once. You probably can't even take them all in January. You'll have another recruiting class, plus these kids coming in. How do you sort through all these kids in a competitive environment when other schools, whether it's uh, Big Sky, Mountain West, or Pac-12, other schools are bound to come calling?
2: Yeah, I I mean I, I just I was on the phone with a couple of uh, uh return missionaries this morning, you know, and, and uh, I think that's the most important part is talking to them and their families about uh where things sit right now and, and and you know, right now we we don't have much to tell them even with school because uh you know, we had an announcement yesterday that spring semester um here at BYU is going to be also uh, online and and no classes on site of the campus. So uh, knowing that we we have to kind of work with these things case by case and and uh, you know ask for their patience and understanding is what I was I mentioned yesterday but that's something that that we have to uh, really work with and and uh, I think we have some really good families and, and great recruits and, and returning players that they understand what the situation and uh, I and I know they want to get out there and be, and be competitive and help us win again and uh, we'll just have to kind of go through it day by day as, as we work closer to. The season.
3: I know that last year there was a grad transfer that could have helped you, but he couldn't get into school. He went someplace else and had a big season. What's the status of being able to get grad transfers into BYU?
2: Well, as it sits right now, you know, with DHC coming over and signing with us, that was a really cool um, chance for us to get a, a jump start on on it with with getting him into in the graduate program and. We had the biology department really working well with us in that, and and I think the earlier we get to know somebody in, in the admissions process, that's that's the obligation we have as coaches and as a, as a staff, is to make sure that we search these uh, graduate transfers and and look at the transfer portal, see so guys that fit our system and fit the school, you know, uh, off the field, the academics, and then definitely on the field, and and once we can get the the, the earlier the better for us and. Put, put our, our admissions department in the, in a better situation. I think we were able to do that a lot earlier with uh, with DHC, and, and um, you know, if, if anyone comes along the way, it, it, they'd have to fit that cri- that criteria. But also having a con- connection with the graduate department now that we we know what what each department is looking for and the timing of it all, I think it's important that we don't put them in in a in a, in a tough spot as well. So we have to do our part as a coaching staff, and, and we're able to do that with DHC and and keep working with it, and then I think just letting everybody know that there's a standard here in getting into school, and, and and you have to meet that standard when it comes to GPA and test scores and things like that, and they have to do their part. It's just not as easy as just saying, hey, let's, we like you, the way you play, let's get you in. There's an ecclesiastical endorsement that needs to be taken care of as well, so if we can get that done early as a coaching staff, and it makes it a lot easier on the admissions process, and, and uh, then we can work together, and then we've done that so far this year.
0: BYU football coach Kalani Sataki joining us here. So the uh, PK was making this point earlier that when you look at what you've got coming back with the coaching staff, the key players that are coming back both offensively and defensively, the fact you've got multiple quarterbacks who have won games uh, as a college coach, and not just your time as a head coach at BYU, but go back to the jobs you've held as a position coach and as a coordinator at various schools. This kind of continuity is pretty rare in college football, isn't it? You you really got something this year in that regard.
2: Yeah, I'm thankful that we have this uh, the continuity that you mentioned, and the number of return players that are and, and depth and, and, and guys that have played, experienced time on the field and in games. And so we're in a really good situation now, and, and I feel comfortable with um, some of the things that we're doing as a team and as a program, and having the one change, you know, being at the running back coaching job, and and, and uh, what we did is, is uh, you know, Harvey's been in that room this entire time, the last two years with, with AJ. So that it seems like an easy transition there, and and uh, things have been pretty smooth in keeping the staff here. You know, we've had some guys have had opportunities to go different places, and have elected to stay here. And, and I'm thankful that I have a, a you know a, an environment with our athletic director and, and the rest of our, our our athletic department where we, uh, you know, our coaches feel really comfortable. The fact that the, the fans embrace them and they feel really comfortable being here as coaches. And half our staff aren't members of the church, but they promote uh, you know, Jesus Christ as, as our savior and they promote the mission of the church and the school. And so it, it makes things a lot easier. And then looking at the, how happy the guys are here working and the type of athletes that they get to work with, I think it's been a really cool thing to see that happen in the last four years. But uh, yeah, as, as long as we can keep things consistent and, and uh, keep working that way, I think we have a really good chance.
3: I had some trouble last year, particularly as the season we're on with your field goal kicking. What's the competition going to look like with that position when we get to camp?
2: Yeah, I mean, every position is always uh, up for grabs, and, and, and you know, the, the guys have to play it out. And, and, and the competition, I, I will play the best. And it doesn't matter if you're a scholarship guy or, or a freshman or a senior or a walk-on, uh, the best deserve to play. And it's my job as a coach to put them in a position to compete we feel really good with, with the addition of um, Ryan Rico as, a, as a, a punter and a place kicker that we've added It's a return missionary, as, as, as well as Jake Oldroyd being with his powerful leg, being able to punt and place kick. Those guys can do that. There's going to be a competition for both the place kicking job and the punting job. And, and so far, what we saw in spring, I, I think it's going to be a, a healthy competition. And, and it'll be something that will be, work well for us. And then you know, we'll add a couple guys that that will kind of get into the mix as we get closer to the season and closer to fall camp.
0: We've heard a little bit about uh, how much recruiting has changed now uh, because you can't send guys out on the road and guys aren't going to be able to fly all over the country and track guys down. And, you know, you recruit in Hawaii and Arizona and California and Texas, so you got guys going everywhere. How much do you think that this can be permanent that people look at the amount of time and money and the cost on guys' personal lives doing this and say, "Hey, let's narrow the travel windows up and let's let the technology you were talking about earlier in this segment take over, and we can talk to guys on Zoom and we can text and we can call and and maybe that's the direction we ought to go permanently
2: yeah, I think that I think that's something that you can evaluate. I think it'd be helpful to have to use technology and not have the same kind of recruiting windows that that we've had in the last 20 years because recruiting has changed with the addition of the uh, you know the film i remember back in the day guys making their own highlights off the of vhs tap- tapes and then uh, that turned into dvds and now everything is online streaming and you can just get it in real time you know and so uh, there's not really the the search of getting out there and finding the the diamonds in the rough and then you know just leaving those stones unturned to type of deal now it's more you know about everybody and you actually know about them at a young age and so uh, for us it's more of we have a a unique uh, recruiting pool and then trying to see how guys have improved from one year to the next because you guys remember as as a sophomore in high school the difference in the change that that your body has gone through from that to your senior year and uh, that happens a lot in in these young men and there's there, there's some great athletes who all of a sudden go through this growth spurt of four or five inches and become a, a, a great prospect that in the past have been looked look past, looked over because uh, you, you don't anticipate that. But with the type of technology that we have now and the ability to talk to so many coaches and, and see so many, get so many eyes on on, on, um, on certain recruits, I, I think it's something that it, it makes evaluating a lot easier. And for us, it, it gets our, our uh, early jump on people and see how they can progress throughout their time. So you're right, the recruiting thing probably needs to be evaluated a little bit and see if there's a way that we can use technology to help us and get our our hours to be more efficient as a a program, and I'd be all for that.
3: So I'm wondering if you used any influence and got the athletic department to threaten Chad Lewis with his job if Chad didn't get his son-in-law, Matt Bushman, to return for another season.
2: No, that, listen, I'm going to always want what's best for our players and uh, our, our athletic directors the same way and everyone that, that we work with. Uh, you know, we it's our job just to educate uh, guys like Matt Bushman and Kyrus Tonga on the situation that they're in and, and from the feedback that we get from NFL scouts and then let them make their decisions. And then it's their job to research and get other opinions as well. And, and you know, looking at it, I think both of them had a future – in the NFL, but I, I think both of them wanted, felt like there's something they wanted to get done here, and they saw the opportunities that were going to happen from this year. So I, I, uh, I think that uh, Chad definitely was influential in helping mentor some of these young men, and and it's not just his son-in-law, but it's other people that, I mean, we have a, a, an athletic department that that has so many wonderful people to work with, and and they're all always willing, whether it's coaches from other sports or. The administrators in our athletic department that are helpful, and a good number of them have played in the NFL and have had some great careers in, in college football. So, uh, using those guys as, as mentors and getting advice from them is important. And it also, you know, it made it a lot easier because you know Chad is father-in-law of Matt Bushman. But I think the key with there was Emily and, and working with her, and her being an athlete herself, she she understands the. Uh, the grind of the NFL type of lifestyle because her dad went through it and so I think it's something that they could have waited on and there's some things that he wanted to get done this this, this season and really looking forward to Matt doing some great things for us but he's already done that as a, as a leader in our program and I'm just really proud to be his coach.
0: Well Kalani, as always we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for uh, checking in with us here in the middle of everything.
2: Appreciate you guys and I don't know if you guys are like me but I'm getting a lot of spring cleaning done early here but my kids reminded me, I don't know, why are we spending so much time cleaning the house when nobody gets to come over and visit anyway? So uh <laughs> looks like we're going to play a little bit more here at, at, at the Sitake home.
0: Solid logic by your kids, by the way. I really like that. I'll be I know. That. These kids are so smart. Back in my say we just did
2: what we were told. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> All right, Thanks, guys. There's Kalani Sitake, BYU's head coach. When we come back, Chris Hill, former Utah Athletic Director, talking about the challenges that – Schools are gonna face now. This is gonna be uh, really interesting. The NCAA has announced that they are giving out six hundred million dollars in payments to schools. Normally, that was the goal was six hundred, but this year they're giving out two hundred and twenty-five million. No NCA basketball tournament, that's gonna be an issue. And then on top of that, schools are looking at donors who may have less money to give, donors who may want to give to other causes, like, you know, hospitals, medical schools food banks, whatever, Uh, how is this going to impact schools and where can schools save money without really slashing? And if they have to start slashing, where will it be? I don't think it's the same for – I think every league has a different issue. Power five versus a group of five teams versus schools like uh, Big Sky schools that have less football expenses versus schools like West Coast Conference schools and the Big West that don't play. Uh, football. We'll talk with Chris Hill about all of that. He knows uh, he sat in the chair and said to make a lot of those decisions. And you think over time, Utah was, you know, they were a low-end WAC school financially. Then they were a high-end Mountain West school at the end of their time there financially. And then Pac-12 was a whole new set of budgets. Chris has got a lot of experience in this area. We'll talk with him about that next. Stay with us.
1: From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Utah's former athletic director, Dr. Chris Hill. Chris, good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning. So I'm uh, I'm curious here. Uh, I got a hold of you because the news broke that uh, the NCAA, instead of distributing $600 million, is going to distribute $225 million to schools. And, of course, with no NCAA basketball tournament, this makes sense. That's a massive event for the NCAA, and the money gets passed on to schools, and obviously there's going to be a lot less. But, man, this struck me as just – Boy, just a a massive drop in revenue. And uh, when you heard it, what was your immediate reaction?
4: I'm glad I'm sitting here talking to you and retired. That's what my reaction was. (laughs) Right?
0: Yeah, it makes sense to me. (laughs) But,
4: yeah, my reaction was, it's you know, uh, I'd be curious how each school is going to handle it. If, you know, if it's it's a one-time deal, uh, you know, because they're not going to make it up, if it's a one-time deal, that's a whole lot different than we see that going further. But, you know, the big thing is, is is how long is this economy going to be keep going down and, you know, what's going to happen with football? Those are the issues that are also really, really big.
3: Finances are a big deal at the collegiate level. Uh, What impact do you think all of this is going to have whenever it does end as far as what the departments would need to do to make sure that they can get back to where they were?
4: Well, you know, I I mean, as we kind of commented a little bit yesterday, you know, there's different kinds of budgets in schools. You know, there's the Power Fives that have really big budgets and and not to, you know, discount it, but if it's a one-time hit of a million dollars and... You know, you got a $100 million budget. You should have money in reserve. I know we did have some money in reserve, not huge. I mean, I shouldn't say it seems huge, but 4 to $5 million. At least when I left, I don't know what it is. It might be more, maybe less. Who knows? But, uh, you know, the Power of Five, I think, can take the hit, uh, you know, understand where it's at. Uh, and the reality is, is the spring sports, it's kind of a sad thing they're not playing. at the same time, those are the sports that don't generate revenue. And all the travel and recruiting at that time are going to be expenses and not spent. And, you know, that's a, that's a lot of money. I mean, recruiting for football in the spring is huge. I think it's the month of May still. You know, so I see the Power Fives as different. Uh, but obviously, if if football doesn't happen and it kills them, uh, you know, group of Fives are the ones that worry me a little bit because usually – their schools don't help them as much as the mid-majors, you know, and, and, you know, they may be not able to take the hit as well. You know, and I, I'm talking about, you know, schools that are, you know, I don't know if Colorado State fits in that area. I don't know. And then there's the, you know, the area where Weber and those are with football. And, you know, I think their schools support them you know more so it's funny the smaller your budget the school is more apt to help support you through something like this you know so uh... the non-football playing schools may be a little tougher but i still would be confident that somehow the uh... school on a one-time basis might help because you know some of the schools that are in you know playing basketball without football i mean sixty seventy percent of their budget comes from the school so maybe they can kick in a little more to make that up so you know, I'd be nervous about it, but, you know, I'd be more nervous about the economy, people buying tickets and stuff like that.
0: Chris Hill joining us, former Utah Athletic Director. Uh- you know, a big revenue stream for a lot of schools is uh, donors writing big checks, and donors tend to be invested in the right. stock market, and we all know what's going on there. I mean, it changes day to day, but, you know, big picture, it's, it's way down, obviously. Yeah, so that, how that's, much that's is, a big one. Yeah. That's a
4: big one. I mean, you see sc- schools putting off their deadlines for football season sales, and that would be a huge concern, too. You know, that that's, you know, depends on each individual school you know the the good news is that we have uh you not we now the university i'm not we anymore that uh you know the university has a lot of different donors and and you know they're not relying on one or two that could go in the tank but the other thing that i thought about too is our learfield you know contract with uh, with advertising and stuff whether that's going to really drop like a rock those things happen then it's going to be tough
3: yeah you say you wonder uh it leads you to think that it could happen. When you say it's really tough, assume for a second that it is really tough. What can the schools do then?
4: Well, you know, it's going to be interesting because, you know, the the NCAA thing, and I don't want to downplay that, but as we said, that could be a one-time hit. You know, you count on it, but you're you're optimistic that it could come back given how people are so bored in March without NCAA basketball in some ways. But I tell you, right, you guys on the mark, if those – You know, donor dollars go down, which they will, you know, and if the, um, you know, advertising stuff goes down, some schools won't be able to sustain it. You know, I mean, if you have a, you know, $6 million reserve fund, you might be able to sustain that for a year or two to see if it comes back. But if you don't have that kind of budget and that kind of reserve, uh, schools are going to have to reduce, I would think.
0: So I think even inside of the, you know, obviously it's one thing for the power five. It's another thing for the group of five. It's another thing for a school that doesn't play football or, and then also football at a lower level. So you got kind of the four different areas in there. But if football takes the if – fo- if the football season takes a hit – Again, the the impact isn't the same everywhere because the Power Five generates so much money. I mean, no football season wouldn't affect most of the West Coast Conference. Most of them don't play. But what happens to these five schools that have huge expenses and have... 80% 80% of the TV deal is probably on football, I read. What, what does that do to an SEC, Big Ten, ACC at that point, or Pac-12? Yeah,
4: I, I mean, if you're talking the SEC and you're talking the Big Ten, uh, they could sustain one year. I mean, I you know, I, Nebraska has $100 million in their checking account, you know. So, so many schools could do it, and it may weed it out, and that's nervous. I mean, uh, I don't know if they could sustain it, though, at all, because – so much of their donations and whatever. So if they don't have season I think the the power five schools are, are ones that are gonna really suffer because you know they the university's not gonna help them out. You know, at least in general but not unless you're Cal or somebody like that.
3: We see now that everything has changed as far as the way we're doing business day to day. But you still get on Twitter and you see all these players fill-in-the-blank school. I've received my 15th scholarship offer or whatnot. So it's clear they're still doing recruiting. I'm wondering through this, and you talk about how spring recruiting is a major expense, since there's sort of a new way or a different way of doing it, do you think that going forward we could see some change and administrators could realize, hey, you could still recruit, but we don't need to be flying people all over the place. Do it the way you've been doing it now so maybe you can save some money in the long term.
4: I I think you're right. It could be something because the way we recruit now, all all kidding aside, or maybe not kidding aside, I mean, you're you're coaching football and you show up at the school in the spring just to say, Coach Jones was here. You know, didn't you have your jersey on? And, you know, the joke in basketball is you go to a, a gym in Las Vegas for eight hours and uh, have your Utah jersey on and, and pretend you're interested, just so the parent or yeah. player can see there. It's silly. To be real honest, it's silly. When I sat in my chair, I go, geez, but nobody wants to unilaterally disarm is the problem. But... It would have to change, and and a new way of recruiting makes a whole lot of sense. I mean, you know, you still want a kid to visit campus, I'm sure, but at the end of the day, so many of these kids have committed even before they've been to campus. You know, so I think you're right. That's a huge expense that if I were to look at it, just thinking about it right now, that would be one that I would love to see be changed. Although it's a lifeline, it's also, and I now I can say this, but, you know, it, it's kind of a... A part of money you don't have to spend, really. I mean, you're just showing up is what you're doing sometimes.
0: What about the schools that have been carrying a lot of debt? You talk about a school like Nebraska has huge reserves. but I've read stories about UCLA and Cal, and i got to imagine that they aren't the only two. Uh, but I lived in California, so I follow them closer. But what happens to those schools that are uh, in that kind of situation?
4: Well, you're going to take a look at everything. You're going to take a look at every staff you have. You may level your sports. When I first started, we had, you know, a level one sport where you had four, two women and two men, where you, you had the full allotment of scholarships, and they could be in-state and out-of-state, and then there was level two where you could only have, you know, maybe half in-state, and then there was level three where there, you didn't have all the scholarships. So I think you're going to reduce that down. You're going to take a look at the, you know, the, the, the 16 guys in suits on basketball staffs and the... Four thousand guys with red shirts on the side of a football, and say we don't need all these guys. You know that's a hard thing to say, and and you're going to look at schools like Cal. I mean, why is Cal? I mean, God bless them, but this may be their excuse. Kind of along the you, you said, Pat, that why do they need so many sports when they're, when they're losing money? You know, so it may cause people to uh, and more than one, which is nice. Like I said, unilaterally disarm is hard because you get clobbered by, all kidding aside, you get clobbered by, uh, uh, you know, the media, and then the fans will do it and say, well, Utah doesn't committed to being big time, and, you know, before you know it, you're alone out there.
3: Yeah, right, I got gotcha. you. But, you know, I've been in those gyms in Vegas that you speak of, and it is just like a who's who of coaches with their shirts on, with their logos, and that's it, and they're all just sitting there.
4: Yeah, they don't <laughs> want to do it. They don't want to do it, you know? Right. I mean, it's a joke, you know. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. coaches coaches will tell you that. I can tell you that now because I, I don't have a coach that would get, get mad at me for that, you know. But you know, the coaches know it. They don't want to sit there in a 105 degree weather outside and hot inside and sit there all day just to say they're there.
3: I've actually they- seen prominent coaches who've won national titles stand in lobbies. So they can just have that. What do they call it? Incidental bumping into. So they uh, could just say yeah, hi. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. It's it's, um, and I don't think you know the kids don't. I can't believe they're impressed with that. I really can't. You know, it's more. Can you pay attention to them? You know, electronically. Are there other things you can do? Can you have a, you know, a, a what's it? Zoom or something with a family and yeah. and go through right. some things and talk to them and. You know, the, the, you know. Right now, we have students that so that's how they're learning in high school. You know, I have grandkids now; they're not high school, but I have grandkids now; they're doing Zoom today. You know, correct. And so, uh, I think in, in a kind of a weird way. Uh, now, the schools that have ridiculous amount of money aren't going to want to do that because they're going to want to try to outspend everybody to put them out of business, but. You know, I think this is a chance to maybe, because it's desperate times, take desperate measures. I don't know who said that, but, uh, you know, that may happen now. And it would be good because it would clean up some things we waste money on. I mean, I had an expression with the staff. I can't use the word, but it was kind of the bag-of-crap theory. You know, they have a bag of crap, so we need a bag of crap. And if we had two bags of crap, we might be allowed to recruit them. So literally somebody would come in the office. I said, is this a bag of crap thing? And, you know, is it something we really don't need, but we're just trying to keep up with the Joneses, which is kind of a joke. You know, I mean, it's, you know, they do this at X school. So we got to do it because how can we not get them if we don't do it? You know, so those things may have to be left out.
0: I was talking to Morgan Scally about recruiting Texas, and I said, you know, I, I, I've actually had a couple people I know who've relocated to the Austin-San Antonio area, and I'm like, that area's just blowing up. Uh, how much do you look at kids from there? And he said, well, I go to Houston and Dallas, he says, within, like, the Houston airport in a two-hour circle, there are more schools there than there are in the whole state of Utah, and he said, yeah. I only have so much time. You know, the NCAA's got rules, and I've got these responsibilities, and I've got the NCAA window to fit it into, and I've got the, just the physical time of driving from school to school and going into the school and talking to whoever I've got to talk to and you know, seeing whoever I've got to see. But then I've got, you know, it takes so many more minutes in traffic. He says, I just don't have time. There's, there's too many people. There's too many schools. It's too big. And I'm thinking – well, there's a Morgan Scalley who's got that job responsibility at every school. Everybody's recruiting Texas. All the time on the airplane, all the time clearing security. It's bad for the coach's um, you know, personal life. That's a bunch of dead time you're not with your family or your friends. It's expensive for the school, and it's not really that efficient. He could, sitting in his office in 10- or 15-minute segments, he could call, text, or do you know, FaceTime or Zoom meetings or whatever with way more people, it seems like this really is a chance for people who want to reset it to try to reset it.
4: Uh, yes, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I thought about that, and I'm glad you brought it up, because it really is. And y- you may have to look at some of the craziness of how we spend money, and you're right. There's so much time wasted on the plane, so much time on renting your car and driving. Mm-hmm. And then you go see the kid, and he's actually, you know, 30 pounds lighter than you thought he was. And you're going, oh, my God. So, all of a sudden, you wasted all that time on a guy you don 't want, and it also back on campus and Again, I hate to be negative, but there are a lot of people that do a lot of administrative work about recruiting because the coaches are all gone, and it may come back where the coaches spend you know time at home doing recruiting and save that time from on the road so there's there 's areas that I think it, if it could be cleaned up, maybe it will because I, I think that that 's a good point you guys are making I think there are some things to to recalibrate what we're doing.
3: I'm wondering, too, on the scheduling, because you talk about times on flights. Uh, You know, Utah went back to northern Illinois and all that stuff, and I know this year they're going to go to Wyoming. So why not keep the scheduling non-conference in in all the sports, really, more localized? And and even if you had to play somebody twice, they say in basketball, a home-and-home in a non-conference, you know, why not do that if you can save money?
4: Yeah, I would think that with the, the sports that generate money, that may be a little less likely. You know, but you got, uh, you got baseball and softball who play 56 games. You've got to be kidding me. 56 games? I mean, they miss so much class, it's silly. And why, you know, they could reduce the number of games they play and still have a wonderful season. I mean, so, uh, and it costs just as much to fly a baseball player as it does a basketball player. So uh, you know, I think you, we got back to the fan attendance thing, and I think that you know, playing more a couple a national team every year I think helps your season ticket sales. But there's so many other sports that you could reduce and make it regional. That's for sure.
0: Chris Hill joining us here. Uh, one thing that surprised me about this cut from 600 million to 225 million in the NCAA payout is uh, we've heard how. The payout is averaged out over six years. So this right. seems like a big hit. And I was wondering, does that mean there's going to be a hit like this for the next five years? Because there ought to be some revenue being rolled forward from the last five years. But
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a good point. I mean, and, and some people, it's really hard to do a good job explaining that once you about the six year roll. But how about this year with the Pac 12? They've had some down years in basketball. And now all of a sudden they're looking at. You know, uh, six, seven teams getting in. They win a couple games. That becomes like ten units, and that's you know, more million. Let's say eight or more, thousand more than they got to average the last five years. And now I can tell you're falling asleep, but that does roll on. You know, so here, that's a big deal. I didn't think about till just now that it could cost the Pac-12 a little more money, or or opportunity money they didn't have.
3: So we know that the winter and spring sports got canceled and that the spring sports are going to get their eligibility back. I really don't see how you can give winter sports eligibility back because you look at, okay, BYU they, and, and Utah State, they didn't get to go to the tournament, but Utah season was effectively done. They didn't have any seniors of note this year, so it really doesn't apply to them, but they very well could have had two or three. So my point being, and I want to get your thought on it, is I don't see how the NCAA – can give back a year of eligibility for winter sports people even if it would have meant uh, they had an opportunity to play in the tournament because it's maybe one or two games
4: yeah I mean I I don't see it happening you know um, and I'm gonna miss on his name but the really good player from Utah State who made that bucket to win what's his name? Sam Merrill Sam
3: Merrill yeah
0: I mean
4: I saw an interview on him and you know you've mentally gone through the season You, you know this is your last season Uh, and you can't replicate it. They may not be in the same position next year to have the great year they had, and then you come back for a year, and it's a bummer. Plus, I think people are ready to move on. So if they're honest, I think the players would want to move on, and I I don't see it making any sense to to take care of the winter sports that way. It doesn't make any sense. It's a shame that it happened, but it, it doesn't make any sense to give them another year.
0: Bronco Mendenhall gave an interview back in Virginia and he was talking about the potential impact on the football season and said that um, everyone needs to start thinking about what a shortened season looks like. And he said maybe, I mean, nobody, nobody knows, but maybe there'll be a window for like an eight- or nine-game season, conference-only games. Does that make sense to you as a potential option? How small could the season get and still be a season?
4: Yeah. Again, every, everything that we, we talk about here is driven by the the really, really, the, the uh, power five schools and, and also the ones that make, you know, uh, Saturdays a $12 million day. And so that's going to be hard for them to drop back like that. You know, we used to only play 11 games and we went to 12 to generate more money. Uh, kind of like the NFL did. And, um, I don't see it going back, you know, the games. Because cause the argument will be, uh, you know, the kids enjoy games. How can we cut that one opportunity? You're still going to practice as much, blah, 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 blah. So I just don't see that happening. I could see schools, leagues playing each other more. You know, I could see why not, you know, the SEC, that's why they're playing now playing some power five schools i mean utah's taking advantage of that with i think they got florida and somebody else i can't remember arkansas yeah but that's because the sec doesn't want to play nine league games but you know why not 10 for the pac-12 you know and have a closer team you know that type of thing
3: yeah sure that's part of the scheduling adjustments that they can make to save money and all that stuff uh we, You have spoken about how fundraising is such an critical component of the job. Uh, if you're an AD today, under the circumstances, are you that much more nervous about fundraising?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It was kind of like 2008, and uh, you're worried there. This, this may be more permanent. You know, if you looked at how many jobless number, what the jobless numbers are now, it's... It went down pretty darn fast. I mean, it wasn't yes. like in 08, you drove by a, every restaurant and it was empty and all those people were laid off. So it's going to make a big difference and the person that's running the, the restaurant is not going to have the money available they did. And the foundations that give money, yeah. you have money in stock. you know. So you take the you know the Eccles Foundation or something like that, If no fault of their own, they're going to have less money to distribute. But again, I, I can't forget about... <clears throat> Those 20 schools that are totally independent financially make money hand over fist. They may try to squeeze everybody and could could form another division. Who knows?
0: All right, Chris, a lot of stuff to think about there. We appreciate your time and the expertise. Thanks for uh, coming out of retirement for 15 minutes and uh, sharing some knowledge.
4: All right, well, good. Good to, good to visit with you guys. All you right. take care. Have a great day, and make sure you it's, aren't near each other. Okay.
0: <laughs> We're not. It's <laughs> a,
4: it's a serious thing. And, you know, and all of us are taking it real serious and it's, it's awkward, but it, you know, it's also the right thing to do. So it's, an, you know, it's just the way it's got to be. Yeah.
0: So thank you gang. There's former Utah athletic director, Chris Hill. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. Stay with us.